Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. It's January. We're doing church in person. And uh, it's holidays, and I hope you guys have been able to uh, get away and, and have some good holidays and, and breaks. Like that's, you know, January in my house, we have three kids. And so all of, all of my kids are on holidays at the moment. And my wife, Sarah, my beautiful wife, Sarah, um, she is a few woos. I could expected more from you, everyone, but that's cool. <laughs> So um, anyway, she's a teacher, and so she's on holidays. Everyone's on holidays but me. And so they're, they're having a great time. My kids are in the rhythm, in the pattern. And if you have kids, you would already know the pattern. Um, it's something that happens every time my kids are on holidays. The rhythm is, Dad, I'm bored, you know? And then when we solve that problem, they're like, Dad, I'm hungry. And Dad, I'm bored and I'm hungry, and I'm bored, and I'm hungry, and I spend, I'm, I'm trying to work, but I spend a lot of my trial, you know, time trying to solve boredom and, and feed them snacks, and if I have to hear the word snack again, seriously, I'm gonna scream. And, and so like, this is, this is what it's like just in my house at the moment, and, and we try to come up with different ways to make sure that the kids aren't totally bored. YouTube can only babysit them for so long, and so, so we try to do things, and we, we actually haven't done this this year, but one of the things that we have occasionally done is that we've gone bowling. And uh, I would not consider myself to be a bowler. Uh, that is not, it's not my skill. And I'm totally secure about that. I'm completely all right about that. Um, I, I, I'm not a bowler, but I remember we went with the kids a few years ago and you know, you program everybody's names in. So it was my turn first. And I, I, I got the, the bowling ball and I, I, I went to bowl it. And you know, the thing is, is that those gutters, they, they, they're big. And, and it's so easy to find the gutter, my, like, honestly, I feel like if I hit the pins, to me, that feels good. Like, I know the idea is to knock them all over, but for me personally, I mean, if I hit a pin, I'm feeling pretty good about it. And then it was my kids' turn to, to bowl. And so they, they, their names pop up and, and, and everything starts to shift and change for my kids. So, so they get up and, and suddenly, you know, they, they bring out this ramp. Do you, have you gone bowling? Do you know what I'm talking about? So they bring out the ramp for the kids and they put the ball on the start and they, you know, push it off the end and it rolls down. And so it requires absolutely no skill at all. But just in case they can't even aim the thing correctly, these huge guardrails pop up out. And now I didn't have those. Okay. I didn't get that. But the kids start to bowl and suddenly these guardrails pop up. Do you know what they call this? Bumper bowling. Bumper, but is that even a thing? So now they, they require zero skill, no ability, and they can beat me every single time. And it's just, you know, it's honestly, it's just disappointing because they never let me, you know, forget it. But, but I was thinking to myself, right? Like, wouldn't it be awesome if you could set up your life like the bumper bowling, you know? Like, wouldn't that be good? If you could just, as you're looking down the laneway of life, these rails came out of nowhere and said, hey, in case you screw up, we're just going to keep you on track. Wouldn't that be awesome? Do you know what I have discovered? You can absolutely do this. You can do this. And the way that you do it, honestly, is you start to read what the Scriptures say and you start to 
apply what the scriptures say. And when you read and apply what the Bible says, you start to get these guardrails that come out of nowhere and they keep you on track. Now, here's the thing. You don't have to be a psychologist. You don't have to be a financial planner. You don't have to be a genius. You don't even really have to be that smart. Because I don't know if you're aware of this, and if you're watching this for the first time, and, 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 or maybe you've never really been to church before, the Bible says so much about so much. Now, yes, we understand it's the story of God, and they do mention Jesus in there, and that's absolutely true. But the Bible says a lot about relationships. The Bible says a lot about money and finance, a lot. Jesus spoke on money and finance more than He spoke nearly on any other topic, right? The Bible says a lot about hope. It speaks to, to mental health. It talks about resilience. It talks about any married people here. You should read the Bible for your marriage. You know, the Bible says so much about marriage. And I, I just can't help but think that if people were to get this book and read it and start to apply what was in there to their lives, these guardrails would pop up and they would just be bumper bowling life and doing great. But there is a problem. There is a problem. And the problem is that most of the world, a, a, a majority they don't care what this says. They don't, they don't care what the Bible says. They, they don't read this Bible and you can't apply what you don't read. So they don't know about it. They don't care about it. And, and really, they're never going to do what it says. Or, and it's been my experience to see this happen from time to time, people will just maybe pick the parts that they like. Do you, do you know what I mean? Well, you just, now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to this in just a moment. Now, you guys got the tickets to come here today. All right. So you got to cheer for all the people and get excited for all the people that couldn't be here. I had somebody that was watching this, watching one of our first services online. And they were like, why aren't the people yelling and getting excited? They, they, they got the tickets. I didn't get the tickets. Right. So you guys have got to get a little bit excited. Too many of you. You are, thank you, thank you. Too many of you have been doing church in your PJs with your coffee for too long. Now you can still have coffee. Thank God you're not in your PJs. But, but I'm telling you, it, you, you can, you, you know what? You know what? Today you can laugh. You can get excited. Uh, if I say something good, come on. There you go. If, if I say something that you agree with, just let me know. If you disagree, keep it to yourself. So when you, I'm going to call this flick reading, right? And so the, the worst way that you can really read the Bible, and, and I'll tell you that I absolutely did this when I was, when I was uh, either not a Christian or just starting to become a Christian. It's like you flick it open and say, God, what do you got for me today? And you open it and he says, and I will bless you. And you're like, thank you, Jesus. This is good. I love this book. Everything in it is so good. Come on, let's go again. Okay, where am I? Ezekiel, and I will smite you. Now nah, it's not for me. It's not for me. And you just keep flicking. It's got to be something about here about financial blessing or something. You know, like healing. Where, where will I find healing, right? Well, now you're just picking the parts that you want. And, and I, don't, I don't think that it's meant to be consumed like that. It's like, it's like when you get a meal and then someone ruins it by putting coriander on it. If it could feel like that, you know? And so, because there are two types of people in this world, you know, normal people and people who like coriander. 
And if you like coriander, I pray for your soul, okay? We will pray for you at the end of the service. That is a joke. Please don't be upset. But my point is you can do it with coriander. Just don't do it with the scriptures because it's not meant to be consumed like that. It's not how this thing is supposed to work. By the way, how would you know which parts were the good bits? How would you know when, especially when you're starting out, how would you know which are the parts that you should apply and which are the parts that you want to ignore or skip or turn the page on? How, how would you really know? I can tell you this, that as a teenager, let's say I'm 15 years old and very far from God, have no relationship with Him. Someone says, read the Bible. First of all, no way. Second of all, anything I read, I'm going to reject like, like 90%, at least minimum 90% of what I read here. And now I'm older and I would say that that's a bad idea. But when you're starting out, how do you know? How do, how do you know what is the part that you should obey? What's the part that you should apply? What's the part that you should keep? You know, like when I was a kid growing up, we grew up I grew up in a Christian home. And so my parents would, you know, teach me Christian principles and so mum and dad would just say, you just do it. And what did I do? Oh, I did it. I did it because I was told to do it. But we don't live in that world. We, 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 don't, we, we, we don't get to just sort of take the scripture to people that maybe don't even believe it and say, just do what it says. Just do it. Just obey it. We know you don't understand it. It's fine. Just do it, right? That's not, that's not how... This works. My, my childhood was probably pretty close to maybe ancient Jewish culture where they would just have to obey it. Like the culture around it. Now, admittedly, if you go through Kings Chronicles, there was, they messed up a bit. But, but for the most part, for the most part, they would just obey it and they didn't even always understand it. You just do it. Sponsored by Nike, just do it. Do it. We don't know why we do it. Why do you do that? We don't know. We just do it. And when you start to have a relationship with God, where you're doing stuff that you don't understand and you just do it anyway, because it's culturally expected or it's what the community is doing, right? That's when you start to just get caught in the rhythm of behavior. Now, if you ever divorce your spiritual life from your behavior, you're becoming religious, and we absolutely don't want to become religious people. That might be a shock to some, but we are, you know, as Christian people, we don't want to just go through the behaviors. We want to actually go through a relationship with Jesus. And so one day Jesus, you know what he decides that he's going to do? He says, I'm going to teach some of the religious leaders of his day. We call them the Pharisees, right? That were meant to understand the scriptures better than anyone. He says, I'm going to teach them a lesson on understanding why we do some things. He actually decides he's going to teach them a lesson on the Sabbath. By the way, that is the title of my message today. This was the longest introduction <laughs> that I've probably ever given to a message. The, the back half is not so long. So a couple of things that I want you to know about Sabbath. Firstly, the word Sabbath, it means like a rest or a break. In this sense, you know, it's a total rest from work. And the first mention that we see of the word Sabbath, or not even actually of the word, but the first time you see it in the scriptures is in Genesis, where it says that God rested on the seventh day. 
So he's created everything and then he rests on the seventh day. And some of you have read that and said, he took a break. Sure. But don't you think it's weird? You don't. No one thinks that's weird. He's spirit. He's not physical. If I go to the gym in my garage and, and I'm working out on my first set, I've got full strength, so I'm, I'm doing okay. Second set, yeah. Third set, I'm starting to struggle. Fourth set, I'm not getting much out because my energy is depleted the more I use it. God is not like us. His energy doesn't deplete when He uses it. He is just as energized, just as creative, just as powerful after six days as He was at one day. He's not like us, but it says that He rested. And I think, you know, that's, that's kind of weird that He do it. In fact, if you read Exodus 31 verse 17, it says, it says essentially that God rested to catch His breath. Do you think that that is weird? His spirit, spirit doesn't breathe. I have to breathe, but I'm not like God. You know, Sarah will tell you that. Like, I'm not like God. So, so, so I think it's kind of odd that he did it, but there it is. Hey, by the way, do you know what the fourth commandment is? The Sabbath. The fourth commandment is the Sabbath. Now, this is kind of interesting, right? Because, I mean, guys, there are only 10 commandments. There are only 10 and somewhere between don't worship false idols and don't, don't murder is take a break. Really? They were serious about it. They were so serious about taking this break that if you broke that fourth commandment, they'll kill you. And they did. One time there was a guy that was busted gathering sticks on Saturday. And somebody said, he's gathering sticks, it's the Sabbath. And they said, well, let's kill him. And they took him outside and they stoned him and not recreationally, but with actual stones. And they took it and they killed him for gathering sticks. Come on, guys. Don't you think that that's a little weird? You'd be so glad. Like, imagine if we did that in church. We found out that some of you work on Sunday because of the penalty rates. You're like, yeah, but it's like 50 bucks on a Sunday. And I'm like, that's nice. But we're going to kill you for working Sunday. Isn't that weird? We don't, we don't do that anymore. Anybody that's new, welcome to Bright Church. It's pretty much a rule here not to kill people. So, so I think that that's kind of odd. But here's the thing. And the, the point of the Sabbath, the point of the Sabbath was really to worship. So stop from everything you're doing. Stop getting caught up in what you're doing. And now you're going to worship. Jesus says, I'm going to teach the religious leaders a lesson about the Sabbath. This is what He says, Mark 2, 23. One Sabbath, He being Jesus, go, uh, was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, His disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to Him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how we entered the house of God in the time of Abatha, the high priest and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any, but the priests eat. 
and also gave it to those who were with him. And Jesus said to them, and if you were going to underline anything in, in your Bible, this would be the part I would want you to underline today, is the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's the part I would get you to underline. They were so strict in Jesus' day that rabbis wouldn't even want to spit because if the dirt was to roll, they could be accused of turning the earth. Uh, this is how strict they were about the Sabbath. Do you know a weird fact? Jesus disagreed and butted heads with religious leaders a lot, but the sharpest disagreement that they had and the most dialogue that we have was really around the Sabbath. They argued about this idea. And, we, and you know, in church, we don't even talk about it. We don't, we don't talk about the Sabbath. And it was unimaginably important to these guys back then. And, and, and so if you're listening to this message so far and you go, that's a really cool story about the Sabbath, but so what? What has this got to do with me? Well, my point is, Religious people think that they serve God's words. But smart people realize that God's words serve them. Did you get that? Religious people who are caught up in the behavior of just doing what they do and just do it. They think that they exist to serve God's words. He said this, fine, we'll do it. He said that, fine, we'll do it. But if you're smart, if you're really smart, you understand that when you do God's words, it serves you. Now, this is a completely different way to look at applying the Word of God. And if you see it the way that I'm saying you should see it, if you're smart, this could completely redefine your entire approach to everything spiritual. I mean, reading, I mean, praying, I mean, everything. Because suddenly you see that you're not just doing it to serve God, right? When you do it, it serves you. Now on the outside, both people appear to be doing the same thing, but they are completely motivated by different things. Now the reason that we should apply God's Word to our life, honestly, really, is because everything God has ever said, everything God has ever done, and everything God will ever do in your life is to help you. This is the bumper bowling of life. This is how you do it. This is how you put up guardrails in your life. By first recognizing that everything God has ever said, everything God has ever done, everything God will ever do, it's all there to help you. It's all there to serve you. And I, I want to make this really clear because no one's going to be confused by the end of this message today. All of God's commands, all of His commands, all of His boundaries, they all are guides there to serve you. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, the people that were meant to know better than anyone, they missed that. Now, if they missed it, you could too. They totally missed it. They thought that they existed to serve the Sabbath. Remember what Jesus said? He goes, no, no, no. 
You don't exist to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath exists to serve you. They just saw it wrong. They were still doing what was right, but they just weren't doing it for the right reasons. And this is where people still make this mistake today. It's very easy mistake for people to make. This is why people that are not Christians and even people that are Christians, they can do the exact same thing because they don't apply the Bible when they are motivated by the wrong thing. Like if you think that the reason why you apply God's Word in your life, honestly, here you are just making God happy. It's not gonna last. No, it won't last. God, I saw that the, uh, it was time to, to give financially earlier. So, so I did it. There you go. You happy now? Because I can't, buy more stuff. Like, are you happy with that? Yeah, God, I, I put some boundaries in place. Hope you're happy with me because I'm not happy about this at all. You know, I restrict myself. Why, why, why are there so many of these laws and, and boundaries and guides? Seriously? What? No sex before marriage? What is up with that? All right, I'll restrict myself. I'll put the boundaries in place, but I want you to know I'm not happy about this, God. I'm just doing it because it'll make you happy. Man, if everything that you're doing is just to serve Him so that it makes His life better, trust me, He's doing fine. He doesn't need you to obey Him as a life improver. He's not doing better because you decided to restrict yourself one day or one year or however it is. And this, this is incredibly important. Why would you apply all, even the stuff I just said? Why would you apply that? I'll tell you why. Because everything God has ever said, everything God has ever done, and everything God will ever do in your life, honestly, it's just there to help you. It's just there to serve you. And when you realize this, you start to apply God's words to your life. This is the bumper bowling to your relationships. You don't have to be a psychologist to be able to do relationships. Great. Read the scriptures and put some boundaries in place. You don't need to be a financial planner to go well with your finances. Read the Scriptures and put some boundaries in place. You don't, you don't need to be a relational expert. Even when it comes to your, to your marriage, you know, you don't have to have, you, you know, uh, be able to understand exactly what your wife is saying and read her mind or your husband's mind or whatever. Read the Bible and start to put some boundaries in place because the reason that those things are in there, the reason that you obey it, the reason that you apply it, it's to help you. It all exists to help you. You know, it's like, sometimes I, I understand like when, when people come to church, you want to hear a good message. Oh, you don't. That seriously, honestly, that takes a weight off. Oh my gosh. I've been, you know. But, like, I just assume that you do, right? What are the great oracles of God? Reveal them to us. Well, would it surprise you to learn that it's already written down? You want to understand the great oracles of God? Read your Bible. Read, read, read the Word. Read, read what's in there and start to allow God to reveal to you some, some things too. This is in incredibly important. Please don't ever make the mistake of thinking, well, I will read it. And you pick a spot 
at, with it out of context, right? And, and, and you just start to, to read it and apply it, right? Just applying the good bits. The good bits. What are they? What are the, what are, what are the good bits? What are the good bits of the Bible that you think that, that I apply? That I won't. So maybe just let me know. Murder is... Yes, but you delayed on the answer. And I'm... <laughs> Guys, I already said this. Murder's wrong. So murder is bad. Okay, murder is wrong. Um, adultery is bad. Right, everyone said bad. You pass, and many of you are married, so it makes sense. Right? So, yes, that, that's, that's wrong too. Um, what if, what if, what about gossip? Like, yeah, but it, is it as bad, you know? It's like, we're gonna, it's like, murder, <laughs> gossip, and then everyone knows that you're supposed to say bad, so you say bad, but, you know, it happens. Especially when you know something, you just have to share it. That's, you know, what happens. It happens, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what about to be generous, you know? If you want. And it's like, what, what can happen is we say, we, we, we just get a little subjective about things. You can be generous if you want, but what does the scriptures say? Gossip is bad. Be generous. No adultery. And absolutely, no murder. <laughs> and, we, and, and we know that because it's all there. The problem is, right, is that as you, when you start out, you don't know all the things that God is saying. You don't know all the principles because, come on, practically, especially when you're starting out, right, you don't know much. And, and it's a scale, but what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to mature over time. And I would say this, the more mature a person is spiritually, uh, or if a person is mature spiritually, it's because they're applying more spiritual principles and practices in their life. Because you could be a Christian for a long time and not grow much. What makes the difference between spiritually immature and spiritually mature? How much of the Word of God you apply to your life. That's the difference. So you can be caught up in Christian culture for a long time, go to church for years, and you're totally immature because you've just been around it. You think you're in it. You're in the pattern. You're in the rhythm, right? But you're not actually applying it. It's when you start to apply it that makes the difference, right? Like, so how many of you would, if you could, go back to your past self and give yourself a good talking to. I would. How many of you was, and why would you do that? Because hopefully, hopefully, if you've been around church for a little while, you're a little more mature now than you were back then. So you, what would you do? If you could travel back in time, you take that mature version of yourself back to your former self, right? And you would say, hey, I got to teach you some things that you should start applying immediately. Like for me, if I could go back to my 15-year-old self, I would grab myself and say, listen, you idiot. You got to give your life to Jesus again. But this time, let it stick. 
and you should read the Bible. And my 15-year-old self will say to me, no, I hate like 90% of this stuff. And I would say, listen, you idiot. Don't say that to me. Trust me, I'm the more mature version of you. Do everything that the Scriptures say. Because if you were to do that, you would set up guardrails in your life and you don't have to be a genius Ben, I know you've got a lot to learn, but, but you would just protect yourself from so much drama and problems and issues if you just started doing everything that the Word of God says. Just trust me. Just trust me on this. I know you don't get it yet, but just trust me anyway. I have to teach that lesson to my kids all the time. Six days ago, we went to the beach and I love the beach. I'll, if it's a hot day, I'll cancel most things if I can to get there. Like, I just want to go to the beach. It's where I will relax. And so my, my kids, uh, yeah, they're, they're like me. I mean, I'm very white, okay? I'm very white. And, and I'm okay with that. You know what? I'm 40 years old this year. I'm married. I don't need a tan. I don't care. Like, I'm not trying to impress anyone. You know when I know I'm winning is when I'm just as white on the way home as I was when I arrived and I've been there all day, right? I wear a long sleeve rash vest because I don't care. So this is the thing. I try to teach this to my kids, right? But they're less mature than me, so they, they don't get it. So I will put sunscreen on them and I will sit them in that hot sun tent that we put up on the beach and they're all there and we will wait the full 20 minutes for the sunscreen to soak in before I let them go. And because they don't understand it, what do they say, right? So especially one of my kids, I'm not going to tell you his name, but he's my middle child. And so he... He just constantly, he's like, Dad, can I go in? No. Dad, can I go in? No. These are 30 seconds apart. And I'm, I'm like, I will stick with it and tell them, absolutely not. Stop talking. I don't want to know about it, right? Because you know what's, what's better than letting them do whatever they want? is putting the right boundaries in place so they don't get burnt. And that's exactly why God puts boundaries in life so that people don't end up burnt. And the more you apply His boundaries to your life, the less burnt you're likely to get. This is how to bump a bowl life, everybody. This is how you're supposed to do it. You apply it. I don't understand why some things are there. Okay, just as you grow and mature, sometimes what happens is you look back and you say, now I understand why that barrier was there. Now I understand why that stuff is in place. So here's what you got to do, right? Put all. Everyone say all. all. Not some. Put all of His boundaries in your life. That's how you know you're really smart. That's how you know. It's that you're putting things in place. And why should you put anything in place at all? Because everything God has ever said everything God has ever done and everything God ever will do is just there to help you. Listen to the psalmist. He says this, Psalm 119, verse 97 to 104. He says, oh, how I love your law. He doesn't even hate it. He loves it. 
This is so good. Love boundaries. It's my meditation all day. He's just meditating on the law of God. He says, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Listen to this. I understand more than the aged. Age and wisdom don't go hand in hand. You can be older and completely immature. How do you become more more mature? You apply more of His Word. That's what He's saying. He said, I'm I'm wiser because I think about your law all day long. I meditate, I apply it, right? What does He say? He says, I understand more than the aged for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. I think that if we understood what we were really holding, we would read this more. We'd apply it more. We would obey it even when we don't want to. We'd forgive even when we don't feel like it. Why should we do that? Because it's in here. And, and you know, I, I've gone through seasons in my life where I just wanted to learn more. I wanted to study more. Normally around January 1. Have you ever started a Bible reading plan and said, I will do this? Some of you laughed nervously. I know why. You know, let me tell you. So I am the senior pastor of this church. Let me tell you how smart I am. It took me two years to read a one-year Bible reading plan. It took me two years. I remember years ago starting to read and then forgetting to read and then, you know, what happens when you forget to read and you said that you were gonna read, right? What did I feel? I felt guilty. I was like, oh my gosh. I said I was gonna do it and I didn't do it. And you're probably disappointed in me now because I know that when I read this, I make you happy. And I'm sorry that I didn't read this, uh, you know, and I feel really bad about it. And I don't really even wanna come to you because I'm feeling bad. And I knew that you would be happier with me when I read this. You gotta get away from that kind of thinking. You gotta get away from the thinking of, I have to and understand the joy of I get to. See, eventually you'll start to learn that going to church, it's not for God, it's for you. Reading the Word, it's not for God, it's for you. And why should you even read it and apply it? Because everything God has ever said, everything God has ever done and everything God ever will do in your life is simply there to help you. And you say, well, hang on, like I get what you're saying. So I've got to read this more and more and start to apply it. And I'm so glad that you, I just gave you that for free. That's what a lot of this message is really centering around that. And you say that, so that's what I've got to do. But Pastor Ben, I don't understand everything that's in there. I know, I get it. Because sometimes we read it and I'm like, I'm not really sure what that means. Listen, you could study it 
you can just keep reading it and realize that over time you're going to mature, you're going to grow. And, and, and the truth is, honestly, sometimes God says weird stuff. Like on the sixth day, or seventh day, sorry, that He rested. That's weird. Why would He say that He rested? And, and the older I get, the more I understand that God has embedded eternal truths in ancient practice. He put it in back there, but it's simply to point to something later on. And, and, and because everything He's ever done, everything He's ever will do in my life, it's because it's all there to help me, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna trust that it's there for a reason. Even though I don't really understand everything about why He told me to do it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust that it's there for a reason. And let me just break this Sabbath thing down to you. So for Israel, as, as a nation, the relationship with God was really one of making Him happy in the sense that they had a works-based relationship with Him and all of their law, 613 commandments plus the 10 commandments, right? And they're doing all of this stuff all of the time. Honestly, guys, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of sacrifices for sin because the Bible says that the penalty for sin is death. So they would substitute the life of people for the life of an animal. That's why they had animal sacrifice. So they're killing animals and animals. And like this is going on for a long time, right? They're relationship with God was one of works and the Sabbath rest was there because it was pointing to a future day where people would have a permanent rest in their relationship with God. We don't have to work in our relationship with God anymore. The Bible says that you're saved by grace through faith in Christ. It's your relationship with Him. He's the one that did all the work. We just walk in His grace by following Him, by listening to Him, by putting boundaries in our lives. We would do all of these things. That's what the Gospel is all about. You're saved by the grace of God. No, it's no longer your works. You're not working to try to make God happy. It's not how the new relationship with God is supposed to work. And, and the ancient Hebrews, they never could have realised that a day of rest existed in their calendar week to point towards a person of rest that it would establish that for all time. That, by the way, that's why we don't have the Sabbath anymore. We, we, don't, we don't have the Sabbath anymore because Jesus is our Sabbath rest. He is our rest and our relationship with God. By the way, you will be so glad to know that that is the reason why we don't kill you when you take a Sunday shift. It's all about grace, man. It's just about not killing people. You know, the truth is we don't always understand why God says what He says. We don't always. But one thing we absolutely do know is that everything God has ever said and everything God has ever done and everything God ever will do in your life is just there 
to help you. And the reason that he did that is because he loves you. And the moment that you get that, you will move away from the burden of I have to and move towards the joy of I get to. You see this the way I'm talking about it. You see the Word of God the way I'm talking about it. It'll no longer be a burden to read the Scriptures. It's no longer a burden to pray. You don't feel, you're not going to feel terrible if you miss the day. You're just realizing that it's all there. It's there to bless you, to help you. And either way, whether you, listen, whether you read it or not, He's still going to love you. But come on, let's not use that as a reason to not understand anything about what, what He's put in His Word. Amen. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for people really quickly today. And anyone that says, God, would you help me to, to read your Word? Now, that takes a lot from you. So I'm not just going to put it into the realm of spiritual things and say, oh, He'll do it for you. No, you do it for you. That's the point, right? So I want to pray for anybody that says, this year, I'm going to do it, God. I want to be obedient. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to get in the right rhythm. I want your Word because I see how good it is for me, not to make you happy. I see how good it is for me to apply it to my own life. Anybody that says, you know what? I realize I've probably got to put some guardrails in my life. So why don't we do this? Just wherever you are, wherever you're watching today, just close your eyes for one minute. Let me pray. Father God, if, if this is you here today, if this message spoke to you in any way, why don't you just raise your hand? Not for me. You're actually just saying this to God. You're saying, God, I'm acknowledging this today and I want to put this stuff in my life. Father, I, I pray for every single person with a hand raised right now that, Lord, that you would help them to see the way they look at the relationship with you and the spiritual principles and the spiritual practices. I pray, God, that they will look at this and they will see it differently. I pray, God, that you would help them. Let there be a, a revelation everywhere today that people will say, I get that this is for me now. I want to read it. And I pray, Lord, that all year, Everyone that's here, everyone that's watching, everyone that acknowledges this, that God, there would be an increasing hunger for your word. Please, Lord, don't let them go through life and be too easily satisfied. May they be ever in pursuit of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.